0: Raise your right hand and repeat after me. I say your name. You solemnly swear. You solemnly swear. Support and defend. The Constitution of the United States. So Welcome to the first episode of American Vet. We were talking with, or I'm talking, you're listening to a Marine Corps veteran served 2005 to 2009. I did two years in Okinawa, Japan. Two years in Camp Lejeune. Also went to South Korea. And that's about it, but I started a podcast because I'm, I'm in another podcast, and that's a, a funnier podcast. It's all about comedy and everything else, and I just don't think there's enough podcasts out there for the veteran himself, what they go through after getting out, when they get home, and let's be honest, most vets kind of want to tell their story, if, if somebody will listen. Most vets will tell their story. And there's something about a veteran that is different. So, we're not like fucking guys out there to drive the Jeeps. You know, when we see a veteran walk by, we can we can tell it's a veteran. We know what's going on. We don't have to sit there and throw our fucking hands out the hand window, you know, wave at each other. We're not doing any of that stupid shit. Well, I mean, I guess... It's the Coast Guard and the Navy kind of do that. I think that's where docking started. I think the Navy uh, started docking. But anyways, we're getting off topic here. So the purpose of this podcast is I'm going to be sitting down with other veterans and later episodes here. I'm going to let them tell their story. I'm going to uh, talk to them and get a little one-on-one and how they when they got out, how they got out, why they got out, and if they miss it. And I think you're going to find most veterans miss a lot of things. Some veterans definitely miss the camaraderie that's there. You get out and you get a civilian job. I mean, in the Marine Corps, I'm not I don't know about Army. I don't know about Air Force. I'd be fucking surprised if the Air Force has to... uh Do this, but in the Marine Corps, you you know, your last 30, 60 days, I don't remember exactly uh, how many days it was, but before you leave the Marine Corps. Now, if if you saved up all your leave time, I'm talking, I'm not talking those 30, 60 days, whatever, how many days you saved up. I'm talking before you're actually done. And if you're not a veteran, you're listening to this podcast. Think about it like a job. All right. You work for the city, like a city job, state job, federal job if you bank like even in law enforcement, so in the city I'm in, I live in, you can bank up into six hundred hours of time coming before it's it's automatically paid out to you. So when you go to retire, you can actually retire six hundred hours before your schedule retire date. So what you have to do, you have to take these classes that kinda that get you ready to be a civilian again. Cause you know you go to Paris Island or your Hollywood Marine, you know, both of them suck in their own little ways. All right, but you know, it's it says a whole lot when you have to be told and retrained on how to live a normal life. So when you get out, you know, you got you got what we called when I was in active duty um, motards. You know, they uh, they always walk around. They live. They breathe. They're everything Marine Corps. They're the chesty polar kids, as you would. And when they get out, you know, they keep their high and tights. I mean, I have mine, um, and it's 2019, so it's 10 years after I got out. Listen, that's nothing to do with the Marine Corps. It's just I've always had a high and tight my whole life. I don't like long hair. If you're a boy, you're not supposed to have a hair. And we're not even going to get into the fucking man buns. So you have to take these classes to get out just to be a a civilian again, and I still remember a lot of mine. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is, we're not Jeep owners. We don't have to wave at each other, but we know, driving down the street, if we see another veteran on the side of the road or something like that, we're going to help them. We should help them, no matter what branch you're in. Now, you're going to hear me from every episode. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do my jokes and... My puns or whatever at the other branches. At the end of the day, I don't really care what uniform you have on, as long as it's U.S. All right. And if it's you plugging up my womb, I don't care what uniform you're wearing, anyways. A little bit about me. I uh in 2005 I was in a bad spot, so I was in and why I joined and everything. Um, I wanted to join in 2001 after 9/11, just like every other veteran out there that joined after 9/11. They, you know, you wanted to join. I wanted to join that. My mom at the time was, uh, my mom was very diabetic. She had a lot of issues. She had her left leg was amputated twice. She uh, she had no feeling left in her body. She had she was legally blind in both eyes. You know, she was on a dialysis machine, so she wasn't getting any better, sort of say, sort of speak. But the thing is, when when I wanted to join, I couldn't join, all right? So I waited. 2004, my mom passed away. So I said, okay. And then I got all my ducks in a line, in a row, in case, because, you know, you, you sign up to go. You know, you sign up to go over to Iraq, you go over to Afghan, you know, you sign up to do all that. But, unfortunately for me, I was dealt a different hand, so I finally went in 2005. My mom died. I got all my ducks in a line in a row. I went to boot camp. And I went to Paris Island because I'm from New England. So I went to Paris Island and I played in the sand boxes down there. I did all that. All right. I was 3066, Kilo Company. All right. Now my MOS was going in was 3531. I was a motor T operator right? Motor transport operator, right? I was, for you civilians out there, I was a truck driver. When I got back from Okinawa in 2007, I came back and I went to Camp Lejeune. I was 2nd Mar Div Division Licensing. So I had to, you know, I was a guy giving everybody a test to drive. So I was that state trooper or, you know, local police officer or Whatever that did the test with people, did the written test with the guys and girls and they drove around and everything else. And I was the one signing off on their license to drive any type of uh, military apparatus. So civilian people, just because you have a driver's license from your state doesn't mean you can drive a Humvee or an MRAP or anything like that. You know, you can't an LVS. You can't drive any of that. You still have to get a license to drive it all. And let's be honest, a lot of you assholes out there need a different license anyways. Yeah, I'm talking to you, you fucking Prius drivers. So that's what I did when I got back to Camp Lejeune for a little while. Um, and then I became the division marksmanship coach. I was on an 0933. And for about my last year on contract, I was at the range every day, shooting every, showing everybody how to shoot their uh, M16s. All right. My last time I had to qualify with my M16 was still iron sights. And to this day, I'm happy about that. The ACOGs at that time, I don't know how good they are now, but the ACOGs at that time, you know, I have to tell my shooters, you know, three clicks, three hits. You know, you, you had to smack your, your sights right, left, top to set your sights every time you made an adjustment. Just to make sure they were set. So as you can tell, I'm not a big fan of that. Because it's just asinine to me. So, just kind of going off here on a rant. But, Army, get the fuck out of here. Like, you guys have, I don't. like I said now, I've been out for a while. But when I was in, it was half of your target was white half of it was black you just had to hit one or the other you had to hit your fucking target now if it's different go ahead and go to American Vet Podcast at Yahoo send me your thoughts I know a lot of you out there are going to give me hits on a lot of things I'm going to say a lot of you guys are going to agree with me on a lot of things I say but you won't actually email me or anything like that if you like what I'm saying which is sad, but it is what it is. Now, if you ever want to try to be on the show or whatnot what made them we can we can Skype and everything else, and we can I can get you that way. Or if you live in the New England area, you know, once again, email me AmericanVetPodcast at Yahoo.com, all one word, AmericanVetPodcast, and then we can go that way. But as it stands right now, there's not a whole lot I can say about the Army being good. I mean, the fuck? I went, I was motor T, all right? So I was 35, 31. So after Marine, you know, Paris Island boot camp, then Marine combat training and all that, you go, you know, you got to go to your MOS school. Well, mine was in Fort in the Woods, so Fort Leonarddale, Missouri. Fort Loss in the Woods. I had to go out there for my training. And that's where the Army does some of their boot camp. If you want to call it boot camp. Every Sunday, I saw the Army walking around willy-nilly like. And they appeared to have the time off. They had Sundays off. Now, in the Marine Corps, you kind of have Sundays off. You can either, one, you can go to church, which is good, it's fun, or you can stay in the barracks and you're supposed to have, you know, just leisure time while everybody else is at church. And for all you Marines out there, you don't get, well, I didn't get it in 2005. You didn't get that fucking leisure time if you stayed in the barracks. So for the time I was in boot camp, I got very religious. I was at church every Sunday, but uh, nope. They can have cell phones in boot camp. They have. Uh, they started implementing what I was told a stress card. If one of their kill hats or drill instructors or would yell at them, they would hold up a card, and that kill hat or drill instructor. Was unable to yell at that recruit for 24 hours, is what I've been told. What the fuck? Now, everything going on right now with Trump and, you know, North Korea and Russia and all that shit. You think you're going to go over to North Korea and hold up a stress guard? And he's just going to not fight you? He's just going to say, all right, well, tomorrow we'll attack you then. Get the fuck out of here. If you can't go somewhere and get your ass reamed out and everything else, you can't man up, you can't stand there, stand tall when you fucked up or when you shouldn't, you know, if you're weak, that's the point. They're going to make you not weak anymore. They're going to they're gonna beat the shit out of you. They're going to get it out of you one way or the other. In the Marine Corps, they got a saying. Pain is just weakness leaving your body. I had a lot of pain when I went in there. I had a lot of pain when I went in. Now I was um, we said it's going down the wrong road. When I went in, I uh, I needed to get out. I needed to get a chain chain of scenery, and I always knew I was going to go into the military. And my grandfather was a Vietnam veteran. He's a, he was in the army. I knew I was going into the military, and I, the reason why I went into the Marines is everybody's always heard the Marines, the big, the bad. Marines. First in, first to fight, all that. So why not? I said to myself, I said, well, if I go into the Marine Corps, still fighting for this great country, and I'm going to wear the best fucking uniform there is. I'm going to have the best fucking guys there are next to me, fighting with me. I'm going to train with them. I'm going to know what they know. I'm going to do everything that they're going to do. That was my mindset going into it. And uh, fortunately, I didn't get to go over to the real sandbox. And that sucks. I live with that all the time. When I'm talking to other Marines and I'm talking with everybody, I live with that. And it's not that I didn't want to go. I signed up to go. I signed up to kick a little ass, as you speak. So now I'm a veteran and I'm getting a lot of the same benefits as other veterans. I'm not disabled or whatever because I'm still a working body. You know, getting out, everybody's like, oh, you can get 40% right off the rip just because you're a Marine, you know. Go get your disability. I'll tell you what. I get to stand tall every day when I... I know I'm not getting disability through the VA. I'm not... fucking it up for the next guy, I guess you say, you know, because... You know, there's guys getting out of the Marine Corps or whatever, They literally got no fucking legs or got serious PTSD and stuff like that. And it's a lot harder for them to get it because everybody's claiming it. So it's harder to prove. And for people who actually have it, you know, a lot of them think, well, I'm not going there. I'm not going to go get that. I'm not going to go through all that hassle. And so they live without the resources, without the knowledge, without other people knowing about them living with ptsd so actually that now that we're on the ptsd i want to bring up i don't know if anybody here knows this nonprofit or um but i'm just going to disclaim right now they haven't they don't they didn't tell me to put this out there they don't even know who the fuck i am all right they uh they didn't ask me to do this this is unscripted this is not anything that I'm paid to say or anything like that. This, I just want to bring out the awareness of a couple things. All right. So there's a group out there that's called mission 22. All right. Mission 22 is a nonprofit organization who come combats the ever rising veteran suicide rate. All right. That's the veteran suicide rate. You don't think about that when you're in, you don't think about that when you're out. Like, what do you mean? Veterans are suicidal. What do you mean? Like, veterans are badass. Veterans are badass motherfuckers. I mean, they're front lines everywhere they go. They're, you know, firefighters when they get out. They're police officers when they get out. They're, you know, Department of Homeland Security when they get out. They're Border Patrol when they get out. You know, they used to work for Blackwater. You know, and it's... The thing is with that, just because we get out doesn't mean we're mentally out, all right? A lot of veterans that get out and they, they go into those fields is to v- fill that void that's missing now, all right? That The drive, the, the need to help, to be there, to be that chest that stops a round from hitting somebody else innocent, all right? Well, this nonprofit organization, they're trying to make an awareness of this, and you know, god damn it, I'm going to try to help them too. I know this is my first episode and you know what I'm going to do? Every episode that I do, The American Vet Podcast, I'm going to talk about Mission 22. I'm not going to contact them. I'm going to wait until they contact me and hopefully one day I get them on the show. Because if they get con- if they contact me, that tells me this podcast is helping them make an awareness of veteran suicide. You know, veterans don't do suicide when they get out or when they get in there's no difference all right there's veterans committing suicide in uniform there's veterans committing suicide out of uniform wearing a different uniform for the local cities you know municipal police departments fire departments you know there's endless it's endless more than 20 veterans commit suicide every day you know it's 2019 They're still saying more than 20 veterans commit suicide each day. So today, 20 veterans committed suicide. It doesn't matter. Today is the 20th of October. It doesn't matter if you listen to this. The 20th of October, 2020, 20 veterans committed suicide today. 20 veterans. Ended their lives, ended the, the camaraderie with their brothers and their sisters, ended suicide. They did prob- most, you know, great things end ended themselves. You know, it could be what, you know, things that they're living with, things that they saw, things that they did, things that they didn't do. You know, everybody thinks veterans die because of what they did and what they saw. Sometimes veterans die because they didn't do anything. They didn't do the right thing. They didn't act. Or they were never even given the opportunity, the chance to do what they signed up to do. And they got to live with that for the rest of their lives. Mission 22, all right, they offer veterans with treatment programs, all right, for them and their families, all right. So if you're one of the veterans out there that are sitting there and you think about it every day since you got out, or even while you're in, that you didn't get to deploy, you didn't get to go over there, you didn't get to do. What you've been mentally training yourself to do your whole life, boot camp, before boot camp, 90%. Now this is just my own statistics here, but I would say, predict, whatever you want to call it, 90% of veterans knew they were going to go into the military as a teenager. They may not have known what branch, they may have known what branch. And no, I'm not talking just the RO2... ROTC guys and girls, I'm talking every, probably about 90% of veterans knew they were going to be a veteran before they finished high school, before they went into high school. But Mission 22, they also, you know, they build memorials to create social impact, all right? I know they built one down in, uh, I think it was in New York, or Washington, D.C., all right? They have uh, they have what they call like an ambassador volunteer program where you can get involved if you want to get involved. All right. So behind mission 22, they have a a board of directors. All right. On that is a special forces op. If I get your name wrong, I'm sorry, but Magnus Johnson, Mike Kissel. All right. And an infantry man, Brad Hubbard. These veterans fight every day with their PTSD and TBI. If you don't know what TBI is, it's traumatic brain injury. And have made it their own missions to end veteran suicide. So you got two guys from special forces, and then you got an infantryman. Imagine what they've went through. Imagine what they're going through every day. They started Mission 22, not a Fortune 500 company. Three guys. That's all served. Now, the DOD quarterly suicide report I pulled it up. This is astounding. The The latest DOD quarterly suicide report states in 2018, active service members committed suicide. Active service members across all branches. I'm not talking just one. I'm talking all of them. 325 service men and women committed suicide in 2018. 325 active duty members committed Suicide when they're serving their country, okay. In the reserve units in 2018, 216 216 reserves committed suicide. Reserves, my hat's off to you, gentlemen. All right, one thing to be after active, active duty four, six, eight years, it's another thing to be a reserve unit. We all make jokes and we crack at them, it's like, oh, yeah. Here comes the weekend warriors. I'll tell you what, though. It's a lot harder for a reserve to go back to their day job for the other three, four weeks out of the year. Or out of the month. Two, three weekends out of the month. And then all of a sudden get suited up and go back in the reserve. You are constantly, constantly mentally being pulled in and pushed out for however many years you sign up to be reserved for. After duty members, we live in the barracks. We live, we sleep, we eat, we wash next to our brothers and sisters. Every day. I don't care if you live in the barracks, you live off base. You do that every day. Every day you put that uniform on. Every day you go to work. Every day you're doing something that has a fucking point. A lot of reserves out there, you know, one weekend, boom, this weekend, okay, you got drill weekend. Suit up. You're going to go to the nearest base. Can go wherever you muster and we're gonna do nothing but circle jerk for the whole fucking weekend we're gonna do training and get your hopes up of ever getting deployed and then you're never gonna get deployed but I'm gonna do this to you for six fucking years all right oh the two weeks a year yeah we're going to ramadi two weeks yeah now we're gonna go to australia two weeks now we're gonna go to spain two weeks You're going to be going, and you're going to play hero. That's tough. Mentally tough. In and out all the time. And then after this two weeks, now you can go back to the Pride gas station and pump gas. So you just went from being someone to nobody. And you got to wait your three weeks again to be somebody for two days. And then back now, you're nobody again. That's tough. National Guard members. Air National Guard, Army National Guard. In 2018, 135 committed suicide. This is DOD, all right? I don't even think they keep track of civilian veterans committing suicide. That's just people with an active cat card, active uniform, active job in the military. It's not people that get out, been out for years, and then commit suicide of what they did or didn't do. That's a total of 676 committed suicide last year. You know, DOD said that uh, since December 31st, 2014, 80 service members died in Afghan since 2014, five years ago. But nobody's paying attention to that 676 that we lost last year. They did what they were supposed to do. They did what they were trying to do. And then we kicked them to the curb. Said, hey, you're on your own. I'm going to teach you how to be on your own again. And hopefully, you're listening. That shit's fucked up. But for now, 2019, this is only going up to March this year, Mm -hmm. alright? They haven't updated the reports since March. So, three months. January, February, March. Alright? Active members, 90. Okay? 90 active members. January, February, March. Three months. 90 service members committed suicide. Reserves. Reserves. 42 commit suicide, 42. This is not attempts, people. This is committed. That's 42 people not going home, or 90 not going home, 42 people that are not going to make it to the next drill. National Guard, 22. It's totaling 154 service members in three months that commit suicide. Now, I hope you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, I'm glad I turned on to this I'm going to go over to the Mission 22 website. I'm going to see if there's a spot I can donate. Donate. Go ahead. But before you donate, let's say you're going to donate $20. Why don't you do this? Why don't you take those $20 and turn them into hours? 20 hours. Dedicate to Mission 22 and help them. 20 hours. Dedicate to your local vet rep, your local VA hospital. Anything. 20 hours. Go volunteer somewhere. If it's a 100 bucks, donate 100 hours. If you say, I'm going to donate $20 a month, donate it in time, okay? Because I'll tell you what right now, your brothers and sisters are not committing suicide because they don't have any money. Because let me tell you, if you're broke, if you're on the street, if you're poor, you're not eating, you're on the street, I don't want your money if I'm ever on the street. I just want your goddamn hand. I don't care if it's in your basement. I got to sleep in your basement for a while, whatever. $20 $20 is not going to get me far. But somebody that comes and says, hey, how you doing every Friday? 3 o'clock? Because he knows where I'm sitting. Sits down, talks to me. Maybe shares a burger with me. That's what it's about, folks. It's not about goddamn money. And that's what these guys, you know, the two special forces guys and the one infantry man are doing, right? You can go on a website. They have their tax ID number. You can pull them up. They're nonprofit. You know, these guys don't have big-ass mansions. They're not driving Maseratis and nothing like that, all right? These guys are guys that care. So every episode, I'm going to bring awareness to it again. As I get more information, as the DOD puts out their post, their reports, I'm going to bring them up. I'm going to talk to you about them until Mission 22 talks to me and we can get this rectified. And listen, my email address is AmericanVetPodcast at Yahoo.com. AmericanVetPodcast podcast at com. if you need help brother sister email me i'll do the best i can for you all right there's other programs out there too there's veteran uh i think it's veterans first i think you know um if you guys know somebody that needs help go ahead go on mission 22.com there's a contact number somewhere on there on the bottom 800 number could that veteran some help. You don't need to be a veteran to call. You can call for another veteran without him ever knowing you called. You can be anonymous or you can tell him your name. But I think that's what we're going to talk. That's so much. We're going to talk about that tonight because um, this is just the intro. Episode one, me and what I want to do with this show. And like I said, all right, 36 years old. I'm not old. I'm not young. Right in the middle. Got a four-year-old daughter. Got an awesome wife. So I'll tell you some funny stories. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, when I was in Okinawa, Japan, I uh, I got thirty-two-day order to go to mainland Osaka, Japan, and I was going to be a protocol driver for uh, the army. I said, "All right, let's do this." So I go to mainland Japan, and I. It took me probably four, four and a half, five hours to locate the person I was supposed to locate inside the tent city. And so I I, I locate her. She's in the Army, and I, you know, I walk up to her, and I said, all right, hey, you know, I'm Corporal. I gave her my last name, and I said, hey, I'm here for, uh, supposed to be a protocol driver. You know, I'm here to be a driver and everything. She said, okay, well. I don't need you right now. If I do, I'll, I'll come find you. Okay? I'm like, uh, you know, do we have to form up somewhere every day at a certain time? Uh, do I need to be anywhere? Do I need to check in? Anything like that? She's like, no, if we uh, if we need you, we'll find you. Let me tell you. That bitch did not find me for 32 days. <laughs> I was gone. I don't think I was in that. I don't think I ever went back to that tent. I was gone. I was out in mainland Japan. I was out in... Hard Rock Cafe, Osaka, Japan I went to. And boy, I had a fucking blast. I came back, grabbed my shit, and I left and I went back to my unit in Okinawa, Japan. My top never said anything to me about anything, nothing. Now you can you can call me a one-way motherfucker, you can call me whatever you want to call me, but if you you know damn well if you gave you were given that opportunity to go as a marine to go to all, you know, mainland Japan and have an army Some sort of rank girl tell you that I'll find you if I need you. Like, do you not understand? I'm a Marine. You're not going to fucking find me. And she didn't. (laughs) I don't know if she ever came looking for me or not, but I was gone. I was, nope, fuck you. I'm out. And uh, so that was hilarious. Another thing. So I was, when I was in uh, Okinawa, Japan, I was on Camp Hansen. All right, right outside there is Kin, K-I-N, Kinville. But we all called it Sinville. All right, there's Buy Me Drinkies. There's all kinds of ways to get in some trouble. Now, I remember me and my buddy. So me and my buddy, we almost had this this buddy program, but it wasn't a buddy program at all. So after boot camp, MCT, MOS school and all that, we were in the same units everywhere going. So we got to know each other. His name is, well, I'm not going to release his name because... He's still in. He's still active duty. I got out. We still talk. Because that's that brotherhood. So we both got our orders two years, Okinawa, Japan. Now, he, he was from Michigan, all right? From what he told me, he was from Michigan, literally living in his car when he joined. And he's always told me from day one, he said, listen, he goes, I owe the Marine Corps my life because without them, I would be dead. Living in his car, he joins the Marine Corps. And now he's got three girls He's married. He's got his own house. The guy's doing pretty goddamn good for himself. He's a gunny. So we met, and we were going all over the place. And I remember our first night. So when you go to Okinawa, Japan as a Marine, they don't let you go out base for a little while. And then once, well, he called it the green card. Once you get your green card, you can leave base. All right, but you had to be back by midnight unless you had a gold card, or you know you're an NCO. So our first night going out there, so we go outside the main gate, and there's you know you go like to the right a little bit, and there's an alley. All the way down at the end of the alley, huge lit up building. All right, there's fucking lights everywhere, and me and him are kind of like, hey, we're in a fucking country we've never been in. Whatever, you know, now we're at our units. We can actually be Marines now. We can actually have a little fun, all right? We're not doing any type of training bullshit. It's Friday. We can go off base. We can go have some fun. We just got to be back on base by midnight. Okay, you can be back on base by midnight. Then you got the enlisted club. So now it's time to drink. So we go all the way down the alley. We're like, ah fuck it, let's try this one spot. Now, we passed like three or four different little restaurant areas, and every single one of them had taco rice and cheese. Taco rice and cheese. We're like, well, fuck, let's eat something. That way we don't get drunk that fast. I said, all right, all right, but if the food's bad, it's going to look like we're drunk already when we're throwing up on each other. And he said, yeah, we'll we'll deal with it when it comes. So we go down there, we get our taco rice and cheese, and taco rice and cheese, all it is, it's a layer of cooked hamburg, it's a layer of white rice, a layer of lettuce, layer of cheese, and taco sauce on top of it. That's taco rice and cheese. And let me tell you, if you go to Okinawa, Japan, there's no way in hell you're not going to be able to not have it. Everybody has it. Taco rice and cheese out in Okinawa, Japan. It's everywhere, alright? That's, that's the Dunkin' Donuts of New England. It's fucking everywhere everybody's selling it it doesn't matter if they're a curry restaurant it doesn't matter if they're a chinese restaurant everybody had taco rice and cheese so we eat that and it's fucking delicious so after that we go down and we go into the the door of the lit up bar the end of the uh, alleyway there and on top it's nice it's got a bar table you know, a bar, and it's got some pool tables, so we're like, oh, fuck, yeah, we'll shoot some pool or whatever, and we're just noticing, there's like, nothing but dudes, nothing but dudes, and we're like, all right, so now we're like four or five drinks into it, and we we quickly realized that we needed to stop drinking beer because beer is fucking expensive out there. Budweiser was, I think it was somewhere around four or five dollars for a canned Budweiser. I don't know what it is today. So we started drinking vodka and red bull and i know a lot of you guys out there and girls are like man you're going to take an upper and a downer let me tell you that is the best buzz you will ever have in your entire life all right vodka and red bull are the best buzz you'll ever have in your entire life and now today it used to be absolute vodka for me if you come to my house right now you think I own Tito's Handmade Vodka. Because I have so many empty bottles, handles of Tito's everywhere. Everybody knows me, knows me? Tito's. All the way. Anyways. So, back to the story. So, we're talking to the bartender. And we're like, hey, you know, we're, we're really trying to have, like, where's a good bar? Where's a good club? Where's a good place to have a whole lot of fun right here? And she said, well, we have a club downstairs. We have a dance club downstairs. And we're like... Shit, we didn't even know you had it downstairs to this place. She said, yeah, 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 go downstairs. So, we're like, alright. So, we go downstairs. Now, we're walking downstairs. It's kind of dark or whatever. And all of a sudden, in the wall, you just hear the, the metal eye thing open up. You know what I mean? Like a metal slide door, a little handle. You know, probably about four inches by eight inches long. You know what I mean? Four inches wide, eight inches long. Opens up, and all you see is this Jap- older Japanese girl. And she says... uh what you want to drink? <laughs> we're like, the fuck. We're we gonna get drunk here in the fucking steps. And she said, you need, "Must buy drink before I come in." Oh, Okay, okay, okay. So we're like, all right. Well, hell, fuck. I'll get a fucking Budweiser for right now. And uh, my buddy, he, I want to call him Arret. So Eric goes, uh, "Yeah, I'll fucking think of Budweiser too." So now we open, so now we, we give her the money through the fucking the mafia door. I don't know what you call those things. So we give her the money through it and all, you know, and then the door opens up. So we come in and now it's, it's, it's a dance club now, you know, it's dark, not lit. And, uh, and, me and him are looking, we're like, oh hell, we're the only guys here. So we must be early. So we said, fuck it. So we went around to the bar, got our beers and then we, uh, we sat down. I wanna say it was probably within forty eight seconds. Two girls came over to us. Now they're not Japanese girls and I didn't know where they were from at the time. Come over to us and they say, Hey, uh, you know, how you doing? Marines, Marines. And we must have had that look on us that, hey, fresh on the fucking island. <laughs> so they started talking to us and whatnot. And the girl that made us buy a drink before we even get in, she comes over and she says, Uh, you got a gotta buy a drink you buy a drink you know they stay here longer you buy them drink to make them happy everybody have a good time buy drinks so me and him were kind of like all right yeah you know that's kind of what we came out here for is have a good time so yeah we'll buy them a drink we didn't really know that they were actually there working for the same place all right at the time we were very i don't know i guess belligerent we were very ofp own fucking program but we didn't see a lot of these signs, so we kept buying them drinks, we kept buying them drinks, we kept buying them drinks, and we're, now me and my buddy at this time, we're getting fucking hammered, and the girls seemed to be just fine, just, just fucking fine, and we're like, what the fuck, we've been buying shots all night long, so then uh, one of the girls is like, hey, uh, you wanna, you wanna go over there, I was like, yeah, you want to fucking dance? I was like, I'll try to dance, but I've been drinking for a while. We've been doing shots, been drinking beers, and I'm pretty fucking cocked. And uh, I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's fucking do it anyways, whatever. And uh, let me tell you, before I even went to Okinawa, Japan, I, I thought to myself, I'm fucked, because I already was told that the guy, female racer over there for American guy and an American girl over there was like 10 dudes to one girl. So I figured well, I'm going to go to this island and I'm not going to have sex for two fucking years because I'm not into the, uh, the Asians. The Asians kind of, they don't do it for me. So I was like, all right, fuck. I'm, I don't, I mean, I don't have a fucking choice. I got orders. I got to get over there. Now back at the, at the club and she's like, Hey, you want to go over there? And I was like, yeah, you know, what the fuck? I was like, why don't we just stay here with me and my buddy Eric here. And, uh, we're all having a good time. She said, well, I want to get alone. I want to, you know, be alone. I was like, all right, well, fine. Fuck it. We'll go over there so we went over there, and um, there was less lights over there. Now it's fucking getting dark as hell. And I'm like, you're going to fucking stab me? What the fuck? Why are we over here? And she goes, uh, you know, for, for 40, $40, I I jerk you off. I said, fuck, bitch, $40? I spent $80 on your fucking shots? <laughs> what the fuck are you going to do now? And uh, she, she, uh, she just kept saying, $40, jerk you off. And I was like, ah. Uh, no, no, because I'm not really into the uh, into the girls that uh, that do it for money, really. Because you got to think about it. how many times in a day have you done that. You know, it's not even about sloppy seconds anymore. It could be sloppy hundreds. It could be sloppy thousands. You know what I mean? And I'll, so I'm like, no, I'm going to go back over to Eric right, and whatnot. And I go back over to my buddy, and he's like, hey, dude, I'll be right back. I'm going to go over there, too. I was like, all right. So I'm sitting there. I'm drinking. I'm drinking. Now, the girl that originally went over there, I said, no, different vibe, what's a, you know, completely different vibe, and, uh, you know, the girl comes back, and, you know, the the older Japanese girl comes over, and she says, hey, oh, you buy her a drink, you know? I said, no, I'm all set, no, I don't want to buy her a drink. She said, okay, and the girl gets up and leaves. I was like, this fucking girl is just out for my fucking drinks and my $40 handjobs, so, My buddy comes back, probably 45 minutes to an hour, but I'm drinking. So it was probably like 12 minutes. And uh, so he comes back and he goes, all right, dude, I had fun tonight. Let's go home. Let's go back to the barracks. I was like, you fucking dirty motherfucker. He's like, whatever, dude. He's like, it only cost me 40 bucks. I was like, yeah, so it didn't cost every other guy that came in here for 40 bucks. (laughs) And he's like, oh, you got the same offer? I was like, yeah, so we go back. And so we're, we're talking to, then we go back to the barracks. Now, you know, nothing out after that really relevant happens. Next day we're in formation and everything else. And fucking, uh, that Monday we're in formation and, uh, because you had the weekend in libo. And so we're talking to another Marine and everything else that's been on the island for a while. We're like, dude, the fuck, you know, you know about this place? He's like, yeah, it's a buy me drinky bar. I was like, what the fuck is a buy-me-drinky bar? He goes, how many drinks did you buy those girls? And I said, I don't know, dude. We were there for a couple hours, so probably 8, 12, somewhere around in there. I'm like, yeah, you guys got robbed. You're buying them fucking Kool-Aid all night long. I was like, get the fuck out of here. That's why they weren't fucking getting cocked. And my buddy Eric, it's like, I don't give a fuck. I got jerked off. It only cost me 40 bucks. (laughs) That's one thing you got to worry about when you go to Okinawa come to find out those girls are actually filipinos and they're actually there on contract they're there on contract for six months and then they go back to the philippines um philippines is a very uh poor country um they i don't know how you would classify it but they they don't they don't look at jerking off a guy for 40 bucks as disgrace they just look at the money alright, they don't, there's no, no connection, I guess you could say, there's no connection, there's no, nothing, but, that's my story, that's what I'm gonna leave you with right now, now, next episode, there's some other things I can get into, but we're already, you know, we're coming up about an hour into the show, so, I don't wanna make it too long for everybody, but, once again, Mission 22, they didn't pay me, they don't know I'm even fucking saying this, but, Mission 22, go on their website. Donate your time. Don't donate your money. I mean, you could donate your money. They'll obviously take your money. They, they'll put it to good youth. And like I said, they got their tax forms on there so that you can go look up their tax numbers. They got nothing to hide. Personally, time with another veteran that's going through some... It's better than 20 bucks. So go on Mission 22, take a look, and uh, hopefully help out your brothers and sisters again. And then... Until next time. Uh, thank you for listening. Like I said, American Vet Podcast at Yahoo.com. Americanvetpodcast at yahoo.com would be a great place for you to email me with what you need me to want me to talk about. If you have a story you want to tell me and you're taking a shit and you need to tell it to me, it's fucking hilarious. Whatever, go ahead and get on there. American Vet Podcast. All one word, American vet podcast at yahoo.com. Send me uh, send me whatever you got. Send me some phony photos. I don't care. I'll take a look at them and uh, I'll I'll talk to them, talk about them in our next show here. Um, Anchor also has a message. You create a, a login name on Anchor. They will let you send me a voice message. And you know, go ahead and I'll just tell you now if you send the voice message, I may or may not use it on another episode. So if you don't want it on the air, don't say it or tell me in the message, don't put this on the air, I don't consent to it on the air, and then say what you have to say. Okay? Um, Until then, thank you for listening, and hopefully uh, soon I can get another veteran in here and get them to talk about their story. Thank you. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The slow of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom.